0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amadin and this is Kelly and Ramia.
0: This is Kelly and Rumia, Grant Hardy joining me on the program and you out there wherever you're checking us out thanks a lot for being on on board with us we get through so many great conversations on the show and we have got a lot for you as we work through this hour so uh without further ado Grant and I would like to get into a a real particular segment that we get once a month this is a health check-in that we uh get with registered nurse Leslie DePoe
1: Leslie DePoe, registered nurse, and there's nothing I love more than helping folks learn about their own health so they can be a better advocate for themselves and those around them. Join me for your health check-in where we chat all things health and wellness, and even a little bit of science from time to time.
0: Leslie, always wonderful to have you on board. We get so much from these segments. They're so great, and so walk away where we think and have some things, but mostly knowledge. Appreciate you being back with us. Hope you're doing well.
1: I am. Thanks so much for having me. You know how much I love this, Uh, and we're going to get into it today. We've got we've got loads to talk about. We are fresh off of our dry January. uh, If anybody (laughs) did that, and if you didn't, you definitely have somebody in your social circle that did and didn't shut up about it, Um, and that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I I don't want to knock it by any means, but uh, maybe you've launched your weekends only February or uh, however you're going to modify it. I actually know a couple of people that. Skipped dry January and they're doing dry February instead. So whatever your whatever your proclivity might be, um, it seems that like people are all talking about alcohol consumption this day. It's normally one of those uh New Year's resolutions that everybody kind of clings to or maybe tried to cling to. It didn't go so well. (laughs) Now they're (laughs) clinging to it again. Um so last year we saw these new guidelines come out about alcohol consumption. I just think this is a great time of year to sort of reopen that book, have these conversations and sort of dig in a little bit further as we talk about what that means to our overall health and wellness.
0: Well, as we were just talking about it being a uh, leap year, kind of got a bit of a chuckle of those who said, look, man, January's too long for dry. I'm going to wait and do February because we know it's the <laughs> shortest month. We had this conversation with Rumya about a month ago and I laughed and said, yeah, go ahead because February has an extra day this year. So there, that do yourself some justice. Still shorter, <laughs> A little bit. Uh, Okay. We normally start with a definition, but I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb with this one that most people know what alcohol is. So should we start with where these kinds of guidelines come from and what were they before the new ones were announced?
1: Yeah, for sure. Let's get into the guidelines a bit. And the truth is we can still talk to some, I mean, I agree with you, everybody knows what alcohol is, but we can try and maybe dabble in the what is one drink conversation, um, because that plays into a lot of these guidelines that they come up with, right? So the guidelines came from the Canadian center on substance use and addiction, and they talk about all kinds of stuff. They take evidence-based approach. They do meta-analysis. They look at all these big research pieces and they come out with these, with these guidelines to help people sort of apply these health principles to their life. We're looking at better long-term, Term health outcomes, um, short term as well, but really when you look at longer, like guidelines like this, you're talking about kind of a population health approach, something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same institution, they look at things like gambling and opioid use and um, prescription drug use, so they, they cover a lot of different things. But alcohol is obviously part of that. So they came out with these sort of these refined guidelines. Now, up until last year, uh, the guidelines were pretty wide, if I don't say so myself. Um, so we were looking at things like 10 to 15 drinks a week. And we were, and, and the thing is, it's not just the number that was previous in pla- previously in place, it was the implication of that number. So what was implied prior to last year was that as long as you stayed within these numbers, you were doing yourself no harm. And right. that's really where things right. changed last year. Because yes, then we started to really peel back. I can tell you, the number is no longer 15 drinks a week. Um, but the way they now they changed it is to talk about this sort of this range of risks. So if you're a person that has One to two drinks a week, you're putting yourself at the lowest possible risk for long-term adverse effects. And then when we ramp it up and we see 10 to 12 to 15 to whatever your max might be at the end of the other scale, um, then we're looking at the higher risk. And when we're talking about risk, we're talking about a number of different health indicators. That could be everything from high blood pressure, um, cardiovascular disease, um, mental health issues, things like domestic violence, um, like some kind of larger social implications. But then another huge thing that came out of this study was a cancer implication to all of this and a lot of people draw that conclusion between alcohol consumption and cancer um, but it is carcinogenic and so the idea is that essentially when these new guidelines came out what they were telling us is there is no safe amount we can tell you there is an amount for which you will lower your risk or put yourself in that kind of happier basket. And we tell you there's an amount where you, as you move up that continuum, you're putting yourself at greater harm. Um, but essentially, we're not going to tell you that there is any safe amount of alcohol to drink. So that's sort of where those those pieces came in.
0: I was literally just going to say that. Like, we are the last generations who will grow up thinking that alcohol, any amount of alcohol is quote-unquote safe and now it seems like that whole world has kind of been flipped over because I guess realistically like alcohol is literally poison right that you're putting into your body so I guess it makes sense that they would take what I'm sure is an unpopular stance and just really (laughs) lay it down that like there is there unlike coffee or whatever else that we have controversy about, there is literally no amount of alcohol that is safe.
1: Well, and you make a really great point about that, because think about how many things came out studies um, and culturally just uh practices for lack of a better word where you know if you had one to two glasses of red wine a day you were actually bettering your cardiovascular health mm, and if you mm. had whatever drink you chose before bed oh would you look at that it actually positively increases your uh your quality of sleep which we a now know to be fundamentally untrue mm-hmm. um so you know there's a huge piece in that but you know i always find the conversation about alcohol so interesting because it is it is especially where we are in north america Europe as well but there's there's lots of other parts of the world where alcohol isn't a thing I mean it exists but they don't drink the way we drink it's not sort of not only is it not socially acceptable but it's and I don't know if anybody's ever done a dry January or had a period of their lives where they're just not drinking for whatever reason. I definitely have over, you know, various times just for health reasons. Or like, gee, I wonder if I could. Um, and I, you <laughs> know, the number of times you you go to a party and people look at you like you have four heads. Like, they don't know what to offer you. You know, like, well, I I think, know, it's okay. Right? I'm not having anything but, to drink. I don't know. What do you want? Pickle juice? Toilet water? Like, I don't know what to, you know. And the <laughs> truth is that it's because so much of what we've got wrapped up in it. And I think that's the thing when we talk about these bigger health issues, what we're really looking at is what it means to us on a larger scale you know there's so much wrapped up in our identity about well i'm a person who i'm a scotch drinker i love white wine i i don't know who goes to an all-inclusive vacation and doesn't have the all-inclusive part of the vacation right like so there's so much wrapped up in it when we talk about these health habits especially on this segment which is you know i love so much about what we do here is that we're trying to unravel that. And and nobody's saying make this decision tomorrow, be somebody who you're not. And the truth is, if, you're, if your comfort level is that bucket of moderation, then so be it. But it's about having an understanding as to what you're actually signing up for. And then to have these conversations where you really pick apart, like, what does that mean? As you said, if this is just there's no safe amount for it, how do we even get to a place where we've decided, like, we needed a scale about it? How did that even happen?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's really frightening. And and again, I get very lost by it because I'm, I've been, never been much of a drinker. And I remember being told that originally the 15 a week and going, what? You know, in my head, I'm sorry, that's a problem. Uh, and and it, it, it totally shocked me. But we are seeing that the people who are not drinkers and, and they've talked about feeling kind of funny. You know, whether yeah. it's a first date, whether it's going to a social event, almost kind of off. Well, what the heck do we do with you? And and I, th- I think you're so right. So where do we start when it comes to this dealing with it and supporting? Where do we start there?
1: Yeah, you know, so there's a couple different ways you can do this. And I mean, listen, let's let's kind of start on the, those who might be in the 15 range bucket um on the continuum and I say that with no judgment because the truth is if you are there are lots of people you know and I can say I've taken care of patients like that in critical care who honestly to them that's not an issue because it's four beers after hockey on on fridays and then it's well we had two during that brunch on sunday yeah but we always do margaritas with brunch well you know that happened, and it, it just kind of sneaks up on you and so if you're somebody for whom that has become a lifestyle you know i think the first thing that's important is a to acknowledge it and to kind of do a little bit of self-reflection and a little bit of math on that um and understand that your body has adapted to this and has already suffered consequences that you're probably not aware of there are a lot of people who can put that much away i mean I, i'm with you kelly 15 drinks you probably have to peel me off the floor but there's there's oh lots God. of people that like just just because that's me or that's you doesn't mean that's not somebody that's right. else and it's not seen as a problem and, I, and so i want to i want to make this really um sort of inclusive when we have this conversation is that nobody's demonizing you if that's if that's your practice and if that's still not something you're willing to consider or talk about or engage in there will come a time and place when there is, I hope for you. And, and when there is, there's lots of places you can go for that. If you're in the bucket of people that are thinking, gee, you know what, I never really added it up. Boy, maybe that's really something I want to take a look at. Or maybe you're already in a state where you're like, you know what, it's just not working for me. I wake up the next day, I don't feel well. Um, it emotionally affects me in ways I don't like. The first thing you need to do is go and talk to your healthcare provider. And the reason for that is we probably need to get a sense as to where we're actually starting. And that means in terms of blood work and that means in, in terms of overall um I don't want to use the word addiction, but overall tolerance uh, with regards to your substance use. Um, because the truth is, you know, lots of people talk about cold turkey, and there is a time and place for that if that works for you. But there are people for whom that will backfire immensely, right. and you you run the risk of some really serious health complications. So, I think the first thing you need to do is have a conversation with a healthcare provider if you're if you're going down that road. The second thing is if you're in the middle bucket where you're like, well, I don't really. It's not 15, it's not one, but it's maybe somewhere in between. And the truth is, you know, what do I really need to have the two every time I have, you know, I don't know, pot roast on Wednesdays? I don't know, maybe not. Okay, so if you're looking at modifying in that kind of a way, lean into it, you know. And a great way, I think, to do this is to replace it with something else. Uh, whenever we're looking at trying to modify a behavior as opposed to just cutting out the one thing you don't want all together with, see if you can add something. Yes, and. So, okay, I'm I'm not ready to cut it out all together with I normally have, you know, I have two beers, like when I drink, I have my two beers back to back. What if, what if in between them, you had a glass of water? What if you one Yes. And did that. I have, I have my beer and I have water. You might get to the point where by the time the second pint of liquid is in you, the second beer isn't much of, an interest anymore okay maybe great then that could be a great start you know um, and so the idea is to try and kind of lean into this in more of a gentle way and see if you can't replace it with something else I mean from an activity perspective is if this is something you do to socialize is there another way to socialize with your group of friends is there something else you can go out to do that isn't focused on that activity perhaps so I think kind of tapping into some of those resources but again I really want to highlight if you're somebody who's thought about this and maybe when you do the tally it's a little bit more than what you thought um, there's no judgment on that that's what your healthcare providers are here for but you need to go and have that conversation you can cause yourself some real harm um if you just go from from 100 to zero so to speak um so i think it's really important that
0: you start there well i also think oh go ahead Grant. i'll let you throw that Can you elaborate super quick we only have about a minute or so on some of the problems with cold turkey what can that do to the body
1: Oh, man. Um, I mean, I don't want to scare anybody to pieces. um, But the truth is, you know, there are folks who come in who have already got some damage to their system. um, And so that means that you've got a chemical dependency on it. um, And withdrawal, so that can look like, you know, that can look like drops in your blood sugar that can look like withdrawal seizures. Um, That's kind of the big, the big one that we look at. um, And behaviors associated with that. So neurological decline. um, And And the process of being in withdrawal is very taxing on the body so then we worry about things like elevated heart rate and hypertension we worry about your body is now trying to compensate for something it doesn't have um so there's a couple different things that happen that you know whether it's through kind of toxic alcohol um let me rephrase that because toxic alcohols are their own thing um whether we look at excessive alcohol consumption um, that can actually cause sort of biochemical marker changes that we need to address or we look at the sort of neurological withdrawal symptoms that come and the psych symptoms from that as well. It's something that if you've developed more of a you're going to want to do that safely in conjunction with a healthcare provider.
0: Leslie, awesome. Uh, awesome, because also I jumped ahead on you. So thanks for summing all that up and going on the marathon there because while, while <laughs> Kelly had you working ahead uh, sooner than we were supposed to be, appreciate that and always fantastic advice.
1: Always a pleasure to chat. We'll We'll, we'll do it again soon.
0: As a matter of fact, folks, registered nurse Leslie DePoe joins us on the second Wednesday of the month. We do a health check-in, and when I miss a question, I make make poor Leslie speed read. Coming up next, folks, on the program, what's the proper etiquette around how to navigate romantic relationships in the workplace? Kevin Shaw is here. Who else would lead this discussion for us? We'll get into it after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute.
1: Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.